0: Hello there. This is Humphrey from Learning and Development Division. Welcome to the URE Drift Studio. Welcome to our third episode of the Knowledge Cast. Tonight I have a guest, the name of Allen Atkunda from Domestic Taxes. Uh, our third knowledge cast will help us reflect and remind us of the basic principles of taxation regarding VAT. Our guest today is a DT supervisor with 23 years of tax practice, experience in taxpayer service, areas and objections management. She has participated in the reengineering engineering of domestic tax business processes that gave birth to the current e-tax system used at Uganda Revenue Authority. She was also part of the core members of the Integrated Tax Systems Enhancement Project. Currently, Allen supports our domestic tax mandate of revenue mobilization by providing technical guidance and support to internal and ex- our external stakeholders in the Business Policy Division. She's here to share with us basics on value-added tax to help us reflect as we go on with our business. Allen, you're welcome.
1: Thank you, Humphrey. Hello, listeners. I'm excited to be in the URA Drift Studios to talk about uh, a subject I'm very passionate about. Thank you once again.
0: Thank you, Allen. Allen, for starters, what is value-added tax?
1: Uh, Thank you, Humphrey. Uh, Value-added tax is an indirect tax that is imposed on consumer expenditure. What do I mean by consumer expenditure? Um, uh, It it means that the person who is ultimately bearing the burden of the tax is the final consumer. So, value-added tax, as most of us know it as VAT, is that tax which is imposed on the value that you add on the goods you are supplying or it is imposed on the value of services you are supplying to your customers. It is basically consumer tax.
0: Thank you, Allen. Um, now that we, we talked about VAT, can you take us through the evolution of okay. origin?
1: Okay. Thank you, Humphrey. The journey for value added tax in Uganda started on 1st July 1996. When it was introduced to replace sales tax and commercial transactions levy, sales tax was on was levied on goods on the supply of goods, while commercial transactions levy was on services. So we had two tax type on goods, which was sales tax, and then sales tax, I mean sorry, commercial transactions levy, which was on 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 services. And what happened? On, between those two tax types was that the person paying the tax was paying it at the end at the end of consumption at the end of either receiving the goods or at the, uh, the end of consuming the services while for value added tax it is a multi stage tax so on each stage in the manufacturing distribution and supply chain there is VAT which is paid by whoever is involved in that supply chain So first July 1996, the government of Uganda thought it wise to replace the other two tax types, sales tax and commercial transactions levy, to bring this value-added tax which was considered more friendly to use by the taxpayers. It was considered that it would widen the tax space and it was considered as less regressive than the taxes it was replacing.
0: Thank you, Alan. Mm -hmm. Alan, briefly take us through the administration. How do we administer this tax?
1: Okay, cu- cu- currently, uh, VA, value-added tax, or VAT, is administered under the Domestic Taxes Department. But over the years, it has, it, has, it, has, it has been administered under different departments. First of all, on inception, there was a VAT department which was created, that is in 1996 to administer everything to do with VAT registration, collection and audits. Then in 1998 there was a new department which was created for only large taxpayers who were registered for VAT. Then later in 2000 we, there was a, a restructuring where we saw VAT integrated with direct taxes, VAT being indirect an indirect tax So we saw VAT integrated with direct taxes, that is, income tax, and together we had the Internal Revenue Department. So under the Internal Revenue Department, we were handling both VAT income tax, registration of both, collection of both, audits, objections, everything was handled under one department. Uh, Two years later, in 2002, the functions for uh, for, for tax administration for VAT were separated into expansion and collection where that department was handling registration and collection of value-added tax. Then there was uh, an in, uh, another department called Domestic Indirect Department, or some people maybe remember it as DIT, which was in charge of audits, assessments, and reference management of of VAT. So that is how it has evolved over the years in terms of administration. And currently it is handled under the Domestic Taxes Department. Everything is under one house. Registration, collection, audits, objections, everything is under Domestic Taxes Department. Um, maybe I can also add on that whatever we are doing whatever uh, we do in administering value added tax we are governed by the the value added tax act chapter 349 everything to administer the VAT is in in that act we call it the value added tax bible so for you to know how to impose tax on what goods, on what services, you have have got to have the Value Added Tax Bible. In addition to the Value Added Tax Act, we have statutory instruments, which are issued by the Minister of Finance. These ones guide on how to properly administer the provisions in the Value Added Tax Act. Then we also have the Tax Procedure Code, The Tax Procedure Code regulates the administration and procedures in administering all tax types, including value added tax.
0: Thank you, Allen, for that elaborate uh, explanation.
1: Mm.
0: Allen, how many VAT rates do we have currently?
1: Okay, Uh, maybe before we talk about the uh, rates, uh, um, I can also explain that it is value on goods, it is value on services. Now, this value, you you, you, add, you add it by way of using a percentage on the margin. Which percentage depends on the, the rate, the, the, the current ruling in the VAT Act. So at inception of, the, of, of VAT, we, we had a lower rate, which was uh, 16%. First, first, July 1996 to November 1996, the VAT rate was 17%. I beg your pardon. It was 17%, and the threshold on which on which someone needed to be registered for VAT was 20 million. But it didn't go well with the taxpayers. I I know for, for you. You, maybe those days you were still in school. <laughs> but uh, there was a famous first strike which happened in 1996, a few months after the introduction of VAT. That was around October to November 1996. And the taxpayers were protesting against the 20 million threshold and a rate of 17%. Because in VAT there are two rates. Now if I can answer your question. There are two rates. We have the standard rate currently, which is 18%, and then we have the zero rate, which is 0%. Those are the only two rates we have. So at the inception, there was 17%. Now, for whichever taxpayer that was making an annual threshold, an annual turnover of 20 million, they were required to register for VAT. And they were supposed to charge VAT at 17% on the goods and services they were making to their customers. So people did the taxpayers, of course, as any change management issue, they did not want, first of all, to register for VAT. They insisted that the rate was high and that the threshold was so low, meaning most taxpayers were supposed to register. So they went on strike and It was put on hold until late uh, November 1996. After the strike, the uh, the threshold was increased from 20 million to 50 million. Of course, that one meant that taxpayers whose whose annual turnover was below 50 million were left out of the VAT bracket. So over the time now, the threshold has increased. And currently, it is at uh, 150 million. So every taxpayer who is dealing in goods or services that attract VAT is expected to be on the register as long as their annual turnover is above 150 million. And the VAT rate has over the years increased from the 17
0: to 18%. Thank you, Alan. What are the principles of VAT?
1: The principles of VAT you are talking about should I call them the the basics on which VAT is or uh, is uh, what can I call it? The considerations for you to make considerations, or you can call them the tenets, you can call them the principles, for me to know that this item attracts VAT. What do I consider? Yes, yes, that please. Yes, that those are the principles. So if, for example, a taxpayer comes and says. I am supplying cameras. You first go back to the the VAT law. Is he making a taxable supply? I will will come to taxable supply later. Mm? So someone, and then you ask the person, are you registered for VAT? So the principles include, uh, first of all, the person must be a taxable person. And the taxable person must be making a taxable supply. A taxable person is defined in the VAT Act as someone who is registered or required to be registered. So first you are registered or you are required to be registered you become a taxable person. Then what you are supplying must be a taxable supply. Taxable supplies are goods or services which are supplied for consideration for business purposes. Then the other principle of VAT is that it must be on a taxable import. So if someone is importing something that would locally be taxable, then VAT is chargeable, or it is supposed to be imposed. Or the other thing is that someone is importing a service which is taxable, ordinarily. Those are the principles of VAT. So when you look at a supply, you have to ask yourself, who is supplying it? Because even, even you, you can supply, you can start your shop and you start supplying, let me say, TVs. Because TVs are taxable supplies, doesn't mean that you charge VAT. You can only charge VAT if you are a taxable person. And you can only be a taxable person if you are registered for VAT. So that is how it moves
0: about. Okay, thank you, Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the principles you mentioned, uh, you must be a taxable person. Mm-hmm. Briefly, briefly explain who is a taxable person.
1: Okay, thank you for that question. A taxable person is a person who is registered under Section 7 of the VAT Act. You are, you are either registered under that section or you are required to be registered under that section. As I as mentioned, that the threshold is 150 million. We look at the threshold effective from the beginning of the tax period, following the period in which you are to register to pay taxes arose. That is when you become a taxable person. Now, when we are going to register a person, we consider the quarter threshold. 150 is the annual threshold. So a quarter threshold is 37.5 million. So if someone projects to make 37.5 million in the next three months, that person is required to register. Or if someone has made 37.5 million in the previous three months, that person is supposed to register. Or if someone projects to make the 150 million for the year, that person is registered to pay. So we we use three guiding principles. Either a quarter the threshold that one is projecting to make in a quarter of a year or the threshold someone intends to make or projects to make in, in a period of 12 months.
0: Okay. Thank you, Allen. So, um, other than the VAT registration threshold, mm. how else does one get to register for VAT? What other requirements are, should be put in place?
1: Okay thank you for that question. So now when, when someone believes that they have met the threshold they have the uh, either the 37.5 quarter threshold or the 150 million uh, threshold then they make an application online. Of course at the inception of V8 everything was manual. The taxpayers would make an annual application but the application was in the form of a form. They fill the form, submit to a URA office, then an officer vets the form, then we do inspection. But currently, it is an online application form. Taxpayer fills all the required information. Then the form is vetted for accuracy. It is vetted to to ascertain whether a person is qualified to be on the VAT register. Of course it doesn't get an approval there and then it is subject to inspection. Because for VAT really we want to know the person we are dealing with. So the person must have a physical place overboard. The person must be ready to keep proper books of account. And the person must be making taxable supplies because some some people don't know the difference between value added tax and maybe excise duty or income tax. For them, they think they can qualify even if they are supplying items or goods that do not attract VAT. So when the person applies, you receive the application, then you you go through and see, and you can and some of this information you can validate when you go for inspection. So at inspection, you look at the taxpayer, of course. Some people have, I know there are some times when taxpayers stage manage offices, we call them briefcase taxpayers. They can come to these studios and tell you this is our office, this is our radio. So we need to register this radio when it is at an, an, another entity's radio. So we do inspection. If the inspectors think the taxpayer is a proper and good person to be registered for VAT, then VAT. Will be approved for for that taxpayer. And now, when the taxpayer is re, now is registered for VAT, they expected to adhere to the obligations of any registered taxpayer. Now, in addition to the threshold requirement for registration, we have cases of special registration that in under special cases of registration, we don't consider threshold. The one fifty million per, for for an, for a year or the the quarter threshold. Special registration for VAT is under Section 7, 4 of the VAT Act. Section 7 subsection 4 of the VAT Act. And now this is registration for licensees. Licensees are taxpayers who are engaged in mining and petroleum operations. For them, they, we don't consider the threshold aspect they can register. So as to get refund of VAT which is incurred on their purchases. That is uh, some tax relief for them. The other category of taxpayers that we have under special registration are commercial farmers. Commercial farmers and uh, taxpayers who are dealing in petroleum midstream activities. Those ones can also register. Then a contractor of petroleum refinery and pipeline is also supposed to register because we know they are not yet making sales, they are not make, I mean making any supplies, but they are considered to be taxable persons by virtue of their category. The other category we have are public authorities, local governments, like Kampala City Council, Jinja Municipality. They can, only, they can register only if they are engaged in business activities. If they don't have any other business activities, if their only operation is just to do local government work, they don't, they don't need to be on the register. But if they are they have any business activities that are vulnerable, then we expect them to be on the registration list. The last category we have for registration, special registration is registration for deferment. Now VAT deferment or you can call it VAT postponement. It is applicable for importers of heavy equipment or machinery. Those, such equipment normally normally comes with, the, it attracts a bigger part of VAT. So in order to incentivize, incentive, okay, to, to give a relief to such sectors that bring in big machinery or like road construction equipment, like in oil and gas, petroleum operations. The VAT payable on such imports is normally deferred. So you can only defer the VAT if you are registered for VAT. So such taxpayers are expected to come and register for only purposes of deferment, nothing else. They don't have any other benefit. They only benefit from postponing the VAT. So later, when they start making taxable supplies, then they can come and normalize their registration like any other taxpayer.
0: Okay, Thank you, Alan, for giving us um, additional information on how one registers for VAT. Uh, Alan, you mentioned initially earlier on on principles of VAT. You mentioned that uh, taxable supply was one of the principles. kindly... Um, Advise the listeners what taxable supply is?
1: Um, A taxable supply is a supply of goods or services which is made for consideration for business purposes or we can say it is made for in the process of furthering your business you are making a supply. What do I mean? If I am a manufacturer of for example soda you buy inputs. You're buying sugar, you pay VAT on the sugar. Then you use the sugar, or maybe you also buy water from national water. It is also a taxable supply. So you are combining these two, sugar, water, color, and something, uh, uh, vitamin, minerals, whatever they put in those soft drinks, you come up with what? With a product. Now the product you make, that you come up with, you are, you, do, you, are, you are making it for purposes of expanding your business. You are not making it for fun. Hmm? So you are, you are in that business of making soda to make profits. So you're you you supplying goods for consideration in furtherance of your business activities. You're enhancing your business activities. So that, that is a taxable supply.
0: Thank you, Alan.
1: And it can be a supply of goods or it can be a supply of services. So, in the VAT Act, we have supplies which are not taxable supplies. Those are known as exempt supplies. Uh, contrary to what, what the, 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 the supplies on which VAT is charged at 0%, those ones are known as zero rated supplies, we have exempt supplies. So, exempt supplies are not taxable supplies. So, if someone is making exempt supplies, they are not expected to be on the VAT register and they are not making taxable supplies. But for someone who is making zero rated supplies, that one is making taxable supplies and they can be on the register if they wish so. It is not compulsory for them to be on the register, the ones who are making zero rated supplies. But for taxable supplies, as long as you are above the threshold for VAT registration, it is a must for one to be on the register. So why do I say that uh, for zero-rated suppliers they, are, they can register or not register? Because for them it is in their own it is for their own good to be on the register. If you are making exempt supplies, exempt supplies I mean a supply of say processed milk uh, like the milk you and me buy from the shops, just uh, or milk ma, uh, whatever man, right? yes. Or if you are supplying seeds, fertilizers, cereals where the city are born and milled in Uganda. All those ones are uh, zero rated supplies. Now, for sanitary towels and tampons, tampons, now, the person who is making these supplies zero rated has an advantage, once you're registered, you have an advantage of getting input tax credit. Maybe we, we should have talked about input tax at some point in the introduction. Now input tax is a VAT you pay on the purchases. The purchases are what you are going to use in your business to make output or to make a product or to enable you make a supply, okay? So as like what example I was giving of making soda, when you buy sugar from Kachira, Kachira is a taxable person, sugar is a taxable supply. Kachira will charge you VAT, okay? That one becomes VAT on purchase, okay? Yes. It is, you record it in your books as VAT on purchase. When, finally, when, you, make your, when you, make your, you come up with your soda product, you're also going to sell to a supermarket, to distribute this or to a distributor to sell the soda for you. You charge them VAT. That one becomes output tax. So the VAT you incur on your purchases is called input tax. This is what you have put in. The VAT you charge your customers is output tax. It is on your product. You get are we together.
0: Yes. So. Yeah.
1: Once you are registered for VAT, we expect you to to account for VAT on, the, on oh, that on that the VAT that you have added on the value along the distribution or manufacturing chain. Because at at each stage, we are collecting VAT. When you are buying from Kachira, VAT is charged by Kachira. Kachira remits it to URA. Now for you, 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 you use that sugar as an input. You also add your margin. You make your soda. You also add more margin on that soda. You supply. You also account for VAT to URA. The person you supply it to, if it is a wholesaler or a supermarket, we also add their margin. So that is why we say that VAT is a multi-stage tax. At each stage in the distribution, VAT is being collected. VAT is being collected. But at the end of the day, the final consumer is the one who bears the burden of the VAT. Because you you, you 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 whatever you incur as input tax on your purchases, you claim it at the end of the month, which is a accounting period for for VAT. You claim it. You 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 do a, your mathematics. You have been keep, you you must be keeping records on how much you incurred on your purchases, how much you incurred on your sales. Then the difference between the two is what you remit you as a taxable person. Okay. Is what you remit to to the tax uh, to, to URA.
0: Uh, Alan, kindly share with us examples of exempt supplies in goods okay. and services. Okay, exempt VAT.
1: supplies. Exempt supplies are different from zero-rated supplies. As I said, exempt supplies do not attract any VAT while zero-rated supplies attract VAT at 0%. Except supplies are listed in the second schedule of the VAT Act. The VAT Act has uh, schedules where you find these uh, supplies. For for administration purposes, we have to look at the, 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 the VAT Act all the time. So if we are not sure where the supply falls. You have to go to the VAT Act. Under the second schedule, you'll find all the ex- current exempt supplies. Now, for example, what we have as exempt currently, we have postage stamps. Those are the stamps we used to we put on letters when you're writing a letter. That, sup- that, that supply that does not attract any VAT. Financial services. These are the services that are offered by banks. Those ones don't attract VAT. Insurance services. Um, supply of unimproved land. If, if for example, you are ch- selling your land which is just virgin land, that one does not attract V8, it is an exempt supply. Passenger transportation, pioneer bus, kamunye taxis, that one is exempt. Burial and cremation services, uh, services by A+, by uh, Uganda funeral services, those ones are exempt supplies. While for um, zero rated supplies, you will find Mm. supplies like um, supply of uh, mobile toilets, supply of sanitary towels and tampons, supply of leased aircraft, aircraft engines, then supply of goods, where goods and services are exported from Uganda, exports. Those ones attract VAT at a zero rate. So that is is how we differentiate between zero-rated and and exempt. For a zero-rated supplier, they can register for VAT, and they will get tax relief in terms of input tax credit, while exempt suppliers are not expected to be on the register unless they are dealing in both taxable and exempt. But still, we shall consider the turnover from taxable only. We don't consider the turnover from the mixed supplies.
0: Okay, Thank you, Alan, for clearly defining zero-rated and uh, exempt VAT tax items. Uh, Alan, who is, who is liable to pay value-added tax?
1: Okay, Thank you for that question. Um, the person liable to pay, to pay VAT is a taxable person. The person making the supply is the one who pays to URA. But the one who incurs the burden is the consumer. So for you as a consumer, you indirectly consume the VAT, you pay the VAT. You and me, when we go to a supermarket to buy, when you buy a kilo of sugar, there is VAT there, you have indirectly paid it. But the person who is going to remit it to URA is the owner of the supermarket. Uh, Secondly, the person who imports taxable goods and services is the one who pays the VAT. Then we have the recipient of imported services. For example, if uh, URA decides to bring consultant from India to come and provide consultant services which are taxable in Uganda also. URA is a recipient of those taxable supplies, taxable services being imported. So we expect URA to account, to be the one to account for VAT on that supply. So VAT on imported services is accounted for by the person who is receiving the supply, while for the other, for the supply of, I mean for the imports, it is for the importer, who pays the VAT, and for local supplies, it is the person making the supply.
0: Thank you, Alain. Mm-hmm. How is value-added tax accounted for?
1: Accounting, accounting for VAT is on definitely on the person who is making that the, the, the supply, the person who is registered, and the accounting period for VAT is a calendar month, from first of uh, first day of the month to the second day of the month we expect the person who is registered for VAT to declare. They make an online declaration to URA showing how much they incurred on the inputs or the purchases that they used in their business to make supplies to their customers. And they also declare how much they collected for the government of Uganda in terms of how much was, was sold to their customers. So the, what they declare as input is called input tax. What they declare from the sales they make is called output tax. Uh, contrary to what we used to have in the old days, where a person would just get on their computer to, to calculate, the system, the e-tax system automatically computes for you, hmm? is input-output mechanism. So the difference between output what you sold and, and what you bought is what is payable to URA. If it is less, then the taxpayer can carry forward the the, 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 the credit or they can seek a refund from Uganda Revenue Authority.
0: Okay, thank you, Allen. We've mentioned that uh, people are eligible for VAT whereas some of the taxpayers are not. What are the penalties and offenses under VAT?
1: Like any other tax type, like... Uh, income tax like excise duty sorry like VAT once you are on the VAT register you must satisfy you must keep up with the obligations you must file returns in time you must declare in time you must pay what you have declared in time and failure to do that they are different there are provisions in the law that provide for penalties for example if with, uh you are accounting for VAT for the last 30 days or last 28 days depending on the on the year now accounting is that you are supposed to account by 15th day following the end of the tax period. if now we are in March we are, and today is the f- what is the date 13th? So we expect taxpayers to be accounting for 15th VAT of February. Day is 15th. Today, 15th is the last day for taxpayers to declare VAT collections for the month of February. So we, we, they account for, for the collections or the transactions that happened in the previous month, and you can start declaring as early as first the following day, uh, the following month. They started even on first March. Taxpayers who were ready were supposed to declare. It doesn't mean that 15th, being a last filing day, is the day for everybody to file, it is just last filing day. So, on first March, returns for February should have come in until 15th March. Now, tomorrow, 16th March, penalties, uh, 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 interest for late payment will start accruing. So the, last, the 15th day of March is the last filing day. And it is also due date for payment. So when you file your returns on first or second or third, you can pay any day. You can even pay before you file. But if you don't pay by 15th, then there are, penalties, there are interest, interest, interest that accrue. It is 2% per month compounded. Or two hundred thousand per month, whichever is higher. Then, if you don't register for VAT, they are also it's an offence. So there are also penalties there. They are all enshrined in the Tax Procedure Code. If you do not keep proper books of accounts, then there are also penalties and offences for that. Failure to provide information to a tax authority or to an office of VRA, there also is an offence, and there are also, it's an offense, and they are also Charges against that. Or if you provide misleading statements or you make false statements, there are also penalties and offenses associated with that.
0: Okay, thank you, Alan. Based on your explanation, um, which sectors do you think that we need to closely monitor as Uganda Revenue Authority and other authorities?
1: Okay, thank you for that question. As we have moved along with the VAT administration, there was a need for government to to attract investors in different areas. First of all, we have the petroleum sector, we have the mining sector, which has been given uh, various incentives. Now, specifically for VAT, they have been given the, what we call deemed, in quotes. So what happens in this sector is that the VAT payable on their inputs, on their purchases, is deemed paid by them. What do I mean? If I am, uh, uh, for example, a clearing and forwarding company, maybe SPEDAG. If SPEDAG is clearing goods for Sinoc. Because SPEDAG is registered for VAT, it is expected to charge CNOC VAT. But because of incentives given by government, SPEDAG is going to issue an invoice with VAT, but CNOC does not pay the VAT. It is deemed paid. That sector needs to be monitored very well. Because we you, you don't know how many people are deeming the VAT. We don't know how many people are deeming VAT. Now, in addition to the petroleum and the mining sector, we have that provision extended to aid-funded projects. Aid-funded projects, uh, previously, the VAT paybone aid-funded project was picked by government of Uganda under Minister of finance. So you'll find that a contractor has been given, granted a contract to construct a school under Ministry of education. Now that contractor is registered for VAT. He's incurring VAT on purchases: cement, uh, steel, iron bars, iron sheets. All those attract VAT. Now, for him, when he finishes constructing the school, he will issue his certificates to the ministry, his employer, with VAT. But that VAT was picked, uh, picked by government of Uganda, and it became too big for government of Uganda, so they brought that. They extended the deeming provision to include aid-funded projects. Because aid-funded project you have a donor, you have IMF, saying, OK, we are giving you money to construct this school. But for us, our money, don't use it to pay taxes. That's what the donors say. So the government of Uganda was like, OK, we need the money to construct schools. We shall take, we shall pick the VAT component. Thank you for giving us the donation. It will be used to construct a school, but when it comes to paying the taxes, the government of Uganda will look in its coffers and pay to URA. So the area's position grew big, and now they had to extend this deeming provision. Now the problem, that the challenge that I have seen with this provision is that we need to monitor who is implementing aid-funded projects, who is supplying uh, the, the, the petroleum and mining companies because the VAT there is not coming through. It is there on paper, on invoices, but it is deemed paid by the recipient of those services. The other sector that I've, I think that needs to be monitored is e-commerce. At the inception of VAT, I think nobody anticipated that there would be a time where someone would just go online and order for address or for what, and it comes without finding it in a shop. Because in a shop, you get there, you would get there and say, and we look at your daily receipts and the papers would be there, the books would be there, registers. But online, where do you go? You cannot go. Hmm? So that is, that is an area that has really changed the, 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 dynamics, of, the dynamics of VAT and I feel as tax administrators, we need to invest in technology, we need to invest in capacity building for staff to, to be able to, to, to trace the supplies, to trace the supplies and to trace the people who are making these supplies. that they are also brought to the tax register. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Alan. Um, Alan, what are the bad trends like if you look at what we had previously, where we are, and where we are going.
1: Um, thank you for that question. As, over the years, really, can I can say that the future is very bright, especially for VAT as a tax type, and uh, with the implementation of electronic physical receipting, I. I think we are going to, make, to have many people in the tax bracket because each transaction now is being monitored. The challenge that I'm seeing is, uh, is that as, an, as a tax authority, we still need to invest in big data analytics. Because we are receiving big data, we are going to receive much more from receipts and invoices. And if we do not have the capacity to analyze it, then it will be wasted. Otherwise, all that I'm sure that the VAT register is going to increase because of electronic physical receipting.
0: Thank you very much, Alan, for for making time to explain to our listeners and taking us through VAT value added tax. Our listeners, we come to the end of our podcast. I tune in next time for now. Thank you.